Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you. Okay, go for it. Thank you, Kay. Awesome. You guys can be seated. We're excited because today is our Community Sunday. So raise your hand if you love to eat. Raise your hand if eating alone, you love eating alone. No, raise your hand if you love eating together. Come on. So today, after the service, we're going to have a food truck out back. We're going to have tables set up. We've got lots of fun games for all the kids. We've got candy at every station for them, face painting. We've got a popcorn bar set up with lots of different toppings and fun, different stuff, Um, free drinks, all that. So please feel free to stick around after the service, whether it's just 20 minutes or whether you stay and linger for a couple hours. Um, you're welcome to do so, and we hope to just get some time together to connect and get to know one another more. So we're excited about that. That's happening right after this service. Um, awesome. Well, today I'm going to be continuing our sermon series on Jesus. Who loves Jesus in this room? Come on. You know, there's so many facets of who Jesus is and who he chooses to identify himself to us as. And today I'm going to be exploring the Jesus, our shepherd. And so let's, let's dig in together. So I've been feeling an increasing sort of heaviness on my heart or burden, I would say, that has um, consumed some of my prayer time. Uh, Obviously, over the last few weeks, we've been really praying for Israel. I want to continue to urge you guys as our church family to continue to pray for Israel, for peace in the Middle East. Um, That used to be like a cheesy phrase that I'd be like, peace in the Middle East. But seriously, we want peace in the Middle East. We we want this war to stop. We want the deaths to stop, um, the civilian deaths on both sides. We want to pray for the people of Palestine and Gaza and the people of Israel and for Israel as a nation as well. So please continue, church, to be praying every day if you can. Continue to pray for Israel. But there's also been something that I feel like has been on my heart as well Um And that is just for the church at large, the church. When I talk about the church today, I'm talking about the global church, you know, not just this body, but the body that we are part of all around the world. And um, it all kind of started uh, this week for me when I saw this post from this girl I follow. If, If you're on Instagram, look up this girl. Her name is Raised to Stay. And she, um, She is a pastor. She's been a pastor for 24 years. And through the deconstruction movement, she has felt this calling for people who are called to stay to the church, right? And when I say the church, I'm talking about the global church. When we see a a mass exodus of people deconstructing and deconverting, there are those of us that are called to stay. (laughs) And I hope that that's you guys in this room. But uh, she put up this post that was... Uh, talking about the Dove Awards, but it was more in the context of the Christian celebrity culture that is being sort of perpetuated in our day, where we lift people up on these pedestals, and then we lift them so high that we are so surprised when they fall. And um, it is it has revealed to me the ever-increasing need for the church to have the revelation that Jesus is our shepherd that it's not a one person, it's not a man, it is the man, Jesus Christ himself, is our true shepherd. 
And you might see that in this church family, it might feel a little different because you have a few different voices speaking from the platform. And I will tell you that that is intentional because if God forbid anything was to happen where I left this place and I died, got in a car accident, that this church would not cease to exist because it wasn't built around me. It was built around Jesus and it was built around an amazing team. And so here at Catch the Fire, we are... We say that Jesus is our senior pastor. Jesus is our lead shepherd of this body. And we are unapologetic about that. And so today, my heart, my prayer is that we as his people would understand a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Our shepherd. We've talked recently about the individualism that sort of plagues our culture where we're constantly striving to be better for ourselves. And it's this sort of notion of like you go to Barnes and Noble and there's like books upon books of self-help books. And there's podcasts like oversaturated market of how to be better. I go on my Instagram and it must be the algorithm, but everything is all about parenting and these different styles and different ways. And I'm like, ah, I'm so overwhelmed. What do I do? And we are bombarded by knowledge and we are bombarded by content and we might have that knowledge up here, but often we consume so much other information that we don't have time to consume the word of God and we don't have time to sit in his presence and just be. And so I want to encourage you the next time you're on a drive, please, yes, listen to things that are going to help you grow. I am all for that. I listen and learn all the time. I read books. I listen to podcasts. I'm watching videos. I'm studying. But that doesn't replace my time with the Holy Spirit. So the next time you want to put on a podcast to fill your spirit, put on your audio Bible and listen to that instead. Put on some worship music and be in the presence of God. Because we, what would it look like if we actually allowed the Lord to be the shepherd of our life? What would it look like if we had a life submitted to the shepherd himself? Our lives would look different than maybe they do without him. See, the image of the shepherd is woven all throughout scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when we see that, we see that Jesus is trying to say something to us. So who's ready today to learn about farming? Who's ready to learn about sheep? You didn't think you were going to come to church today and get an agricultural lesson, but here we go. Let's turn with me to Psalm 23. This is a very beautiful, well-known psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. So it's easy to forget that Jesus is a shepherd. 
okay? And that he reveals himself to us as a shepherd. We might easily more identify with Jesus as our savior. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus as our healer. But do we say, Jesus, my shepherd? See, we don't live in an agrarian society. That's an agricultural society, agricultural community. We live in an industrial community. We live in a uh, technological society. And so in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, when Jesus is speaking to the Israelites and to the people, he is talking to a people that really understand this context because everywhere they look, there are shepherds out in the fields. They're carrying their rod and their staff across their shoulders. They're walking. They've got their herd of sheep. It is very normal. But for us, we might be asking ourselves, well, what really is a shepherd? So livestock, including sheep, played a crucial role in this agrarian society. Many Israelites were nomadic, and so they would often move their camps and their tents and their homes from place to place to find pasture and new pasture for their sheep. It was, um, sheep were highly valued for their various resources. They provided wool for clothing. They provided milk for consumption, for drinking, and they were often used in religious sacrifices. Shepherding was a very physically demanding job. And I think when you think shepherd, a lot of people thought like poor people, but it was actually a pretty noble profession and it displayed a lot of wealth. The more sheep you had, the more wealthy you had. So we look at Abraham. He had a lot of sheep, a very wealthy man, Isaac, Jacob, David as a shepherd. Shepherds were responsible for safeguarding their flock from different threats We see through scripture, there's the wolves, the lions, the bears that would try and come and take the sheep. And the shepherds would often put themselves in harm's way for the sake of defending their sheep. Shepherds were skilled at finding suitable grazing areas and water sources for their sheep. So they were guides and navigators. They knew the landscape well. They knew where the water was. They knew where the green pasture was. And a good shepherd had a personal connection with each sheep. They were able to identify their sheep by name. Isn't that crazy? Like the same way that we're like to our dog, like moose, come here, moose. That's my dog. He's a mini doxy. He's really small. And we wanted like an homage name to like our Canadian heritage, moose, but also like a too big for him kind of name, an ironic name. So anyways, but... Um, the shepherd, the shepherd would come to these communal sheep pens, okay? So outside of the villages, there would be a sheep pen that would hold everyone's sheep, okay? And the, the shepherd would come and they'd be like, come here, Eve, come here, Adam, come here, Malachi. They'd like call their sheep by name and the sheep would know the voice of their shepherd and they would come out. So let's just unpack this for a minute. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, I want you to put your hand like this and say, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Charles Spurgeon says this. He does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leadeth forth the multitude as his flock. But the Lord is my shepherd. If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me, watches over me, 
and preserves me. See, David, as he's writing this psalm, he felt that he needed a shepherd. This psalm doesn't connect and resonate with the self-sufficient person. This psalm connects and resonates with the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. See, we have to have the revelation that we are sheep. And we are in desperate need of a shepherd. Before a person can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, we need to realize completely that we are sheep. We must relate to a sheep in its foolishness, in its dependency, and in its sort of warped nature of its own will. We are sheep. Turn to someone and say, I am a sheep. (laughs) I am a sheep. So the Lord chooses to identify himself through the Old Testament and then Jesus in the New Testament as the shepherd. Why is that? See, a shepherd symbolizes God's care for his people. In the Old Testament, the context of when God is saying, I am a shepherd, is he is talking about his leadership to his people, the nation of Israel, that he will protect them and he will guide them as a nation. And then the prophets prophesy the Messiah as a shepherd. So when Jesus comes in John 10, which we're going to read further, and he identifies himself as the good shepherd, he's actually calling back to the prophets, prophecy of the Messiah. And he's actually calling back to God, who's revealing himself to his people as a shepherd, that he will guide his people. He will bring his people through restoration, through healing. Isaiah 40 Verse 11 says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Ezekiel 34 verse 11 says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Come on. Jesus is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. John chapter 10, we're going to read, but the context of this is that Jesus is speaking to, he's speaking about the false shepherds and the false teachers that will come and lead people astray. We have to be very careful about the person that we are following, the people that we are following. See, when we're following Jesus, we can stay on the right path. When we start to listen to voices of other people and other teachings and false teachings, or we listen to the voice of the enemy, we're actually coming away from the flock. We're actually going away from the the leading of Jesus as our shepherd. John chapter 10 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus says to them, I love that, he repeats himself. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes, this is the verse we all know, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is coming and leaves the sheep and, and flees, but the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. I love that here. He's even talking about how he's going to graft in you know, the Gentiles, right? We're going to be part of one fold. It's not just the Jew, it's the Jew and the Gentile. For this is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. <laughs> I love it. So I want to I want to go through the different points that I've pulled from these passages of scripture from Psalm 23 and from John chapter 10 to show us here in the west those of us that don't understand the role of what a shepherd used to do for the for the people and for the flock. And we're going to go through and see what Jesus was trying to tell us about who he is. Because even though we might not be in that agricultural society, this word of God is still so resonant and pertinent to us today. Do you guys believe that? It's not an old dying book. It's not outdated. It's full of life. And Jesus wants to speak something to us today about who he is as our shepherd. So firstly, a shepherd is a protector. So the shepherd would protect against wolves, lions, bears, and it often required the courage of putting themselves in harm's way. See, I didn't know this, but, you know, I talked about those communal sheep pens, right? But when the shepherd was nomadic and they were away from the villages, they would have to build their own sheep pen wherever they landed in whatever pasture. And so they would take rocks and they would form this circle to, to kind of hem in their sheep and keep them protected. But there was nothing that could be a door, and they needed easy access in and out at all times. And so they would leave a gap between the rocks. And when Jesus says here, I am the gatekeeper, I am the doorkeeper, what he was actually referring to was that a shepherd used to, at night, lay across that empty space, literally putting himself at risk, and in harm's way for the sake of protecting the sheep that were in his pen. And so as Jesus is saying, I am the doorkeeper, I am the gatekeeper, what he's saying is, I am literally 
protecting you. The, the enemy's over here. He might be coming to steal, kill, but I am here. I am the gatekeeper. On the other side of me is salvation. On the other side of me is eternity. Will you come through the door? Will you leave behind the other stuff and come into the fold and come into the flock because I am standing at the door? And he promises us abundant life. Jesus is declaring himself as the gateway to salvation and abundant life. And through him, we enter into this relationship with him. But he doesn't promise this safe life, per se. Abundant life doesn't necessarily mean a super long life. Abundant life doesn't, I'm talking here on this earth, right? Because in him, we have everlasting life. But abundant life doesn't mean an easy and comfortable life. As I spoke a couple months ago, we've often set comfort up as a success of our Christian walk. And I'm here to let you know that outside of the West, when you choose to follow Jesus, you live a very uncomfortable life. And we've gotten too comfortable to coming to church and receiving what we need and then going back out and never feeling persecution and never having to let people know about what we believe. But abundant life isn't a promise of a safe, easy, comfortable life. And an abundant life is not, is a, it's a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. I have abundant life because I am fully satisfied and content in Jesus Christ. That's what abundant life is. Number two, Jesus is our provider. The shepherd ensured that the sheep would have food and water and shelter, and they were responsible for leading those sheep to green pastures and to water sources. But this required a knowledge of the land, right? You have to know where to go. They didn't have a GPS. They didn't have Google to show us where the water source was. They had to be intimately acquainted with the land to know where to go for for the sheep. Psalm 23, one through two says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in greed pastures. I shall not want means all of my supply, all of my needs are supplied by the Lord, my shepherd. Why don't you guys say that? All of my needs are supplied by the Lord, my shepherd. I shall not want means all of my needs are supplied by him. It also means I decide not to desire more than what the Lord gives me. See, there's always so many tensions in the kingdom because I feel like there's also a call of there's so much more in him and we can always ask for more and there's an abundant storehouse for us. But coming to the revelation that even if I didn't get anything more, I still have everything I need in him and I actually don't desire anything else but him. Philip Keller, he is an author. He writes in this book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. That's the name of the book. He says that sheep do not lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. Number one, because sheep are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Number two, because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the flock. Number three, if flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. 
Number four, finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. See, rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with our fear. He's dealt with the friction. He's dealt with the flies. And he's dealt with the famine. And this verse, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 23, saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures, is that Jesus is the one that satisfies all of those things in us. And it is because he satisfied that that we can lie down. But also I recognize that even though our external world may not be changing, Jesus is saying, I make you lie down. I'm going to make you lie down. I'm going to make you trust me. I'm going to make you rest in me because I brought you to the green pastures. I've led you to the place where my water is, my water supply. You know, he is the source, right? He is the source for our souls. He brings us to himself. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Number four, shepherds are a guide and a navigator. They're intimately familiar with the terrain of their region. I was thinking about this, how a shepherd is quite significantly taller than a sheep. Unless there was that random like sheep clone thing, I don't know, we learned about in biology class, there was Molly or Dolly or some, some sort of sheep that they tried to clone. I don't know if that was a giant sheep or what, but mostly shepherds are taller than their sheep. (laughs) Okay. The sheep, they would put the little sheep in the middle. The lambs would go in the middle of the pen and then the older sheep around. And the shepherd would stand in the pen and he would look out at the landscape of the area. And you know what he was looking for? He was looking for the wolves. Didn't they, some, I heard someone once say like, they used to refer to wolves as like shadow hunters. Like they would be, they hide in the shadows. And the shepherd would be looking out to see the enemies that would be coming toward them. They'd be looking out to see where's the next place we're going to go. See, Jesus is like that shepherd. He's looking out at the landscape of your life and nothing that happens is a surprise to him because he sees it coming. But he's standing there in the pen and he's saying, do you trust that I can see above you? Because my ways are higher than your ways. And my vision is further than your vision. Do you trust that I have the best interest, your best interest in mine? That I'm watching and I'm waiting and I'm preparing. And all I'm asking you is for you to be a sheep. Like, so when sheep are in the, in the thing, they're all just like, yeah, I'm in the pen with my buddies. Like they love that. That's all they know how to do. They're not worried about what's coming next. They're not worried if an animal's coming to attack them. They're just going with what's, they're going with the flow. But it's the shepherd's job. How often are we so consumed with our own lives and our own destinies and our own futures that we're trying to make it happen? I'm going to let you know, you can try to make your destiny happen outside of the will of God. We've seen it time and time again through scripture. But how much better would it be if we submit to the leading and the guiding of the shepherd himself and allow things to happen in his timing and trust that he's got the best interests at heart because he sees the bigger picture. The shepherd is our healer and our caretaker. (laughs) Shepherds were, they were very skilled at identifying different ailments and treating these wounds of their sheep 
If the sheep got sores on their skin or their hoofs were sore or stuck with different things, if they had parasites and flies and all of that, they would tend to the needs of their sheep. See, Jesus is the tender of our garden. And I want to urge us and encourage us to seek healing in him. Where we have wounds that are open and tender, do we allow him to come and, tr- and treat those wounds? See, we might have bitterness and unforgiveness, and the shepherd sees that, and he wants to deal with that. And I think about my kids, okay? If they fall on the road and they get a really bad, you know, cuts, the last thing they want from us is for us to treat those cuts, We're like, Aaron's like triggered because he almost got like a staph infection and died from like an infected wound. So he's like, guys, we got to do the alcohol. I know. And I'm like, it's okay. Like just, or hydrogen peroxide, something. And they're like, no. And they're screaming and they're freaking out because they don't want anyone to go near them with this stuff. Right? You guys get it? My friend said to to me after first service, she said, I've realized that maturing as a believer, is that now, even though that healing hurts, I sit there and I allow him to do it. Because even though I'm in pain, I sit there because I know that at the end of it, I'll be bandaged up. See, we might have painful things and we might be flinching at the thought of Jesus coming in and exposing again that wound. It might be too painful to bring up. It might be something we buried deep. But there is no healing if we don't bring it to our shepherd and allow him to come and heal it. And it shows our maturity when we can grow with the Lord and allow him to come and tend to them where they don't get infected. And we go when it's fresh. And we go to his feet and we say, Jesus, you're my healer. Will you come? Will you come and heal the places in my heart that are hurt and broken? The shepherd is a companion. See, the shepherd spends many, many, many extended hours with his sheep. You think about King David when he was a young shepherd boy. He would spend most of his life out there with the sheep. The Holy, I cannot say this enough. The Holy Spirit should be your constant companion. It's not about, I love that song that Alex and Hannah wrote, because it's, it's not about a fleeting encounter and a fleeting moment on a Sunday morning or at a worship night or in your connect group. It's a daily cultivated relationship with God. Amen. You cannot sustain this walk and this journey on stale bread. It's going to Jesus every day of allowing him to be our shepherd every day. Spending time with him, worshiping in his presence, praying, reading your Bible. I will. (laughs) He's our ultimate best friend. And it's an invitation. And if you're not spending time with him, you're missing out. Truly, you're missing out. It's not a chore to spend time with a person you love. I'm all for... Like I said, growing and learning. But if if you're listening only to a podcast in the car and you're not spending time with him, you're not listening to worship, and if you're only reading 
books written by Christian authors and that's your only fill, it's not enough. It's not enough. You got to push yourself to get there. You got to sometimes stretch yourself. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it feels like, oh, today I'm not there. But you know what? We push through. We spend time. And at the end, we feel refreshed. We feel renewed. We feel satisfied. Our spirit feels fed. Shepherds, they count their flock. They keep track. They ensure that no one gets left behind or lost. Do not leave the flock. And I'm not talking about don't leave this church. I'm just talking about don't leave the church. (laughs) Don't leave the flock. We're not meant to be out there alone. If a sheep leaves the flock, they are very vulnerable to attack. Very vulnerable. There was this really cute book. I was trying to find, I have this video clip of my, my grandpa reading me this book when I'm about a year and a half old. And it's all about the little black sheep and the sheep gets lost from the flock. And Jesus, the shepherd comes and finds it. And there's this video of me with this really cute little English accent reading this book. And I wanted to play you a clip from it today, but my family was laughing and giggling the whole time in the background, watching me, this little toddler be like, He's like, you won't ever do that again, will you, little black lamb? And I'm like, no, no, like I won't leave the flock. And my family's just laughing, so I couldn't play it. But, you know, if you want to see, I'll show you. Um, (laughs) But Jesus wants us to, as Kate was saying, remain in him, abide in him, but also remain with the flock. Guys, these people are your people. We may not realize it yet. But stay plugged in, stay connected to his body, stay part of the flock, don't wander, because you'll be really vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Jesus also, he would, like I said, he would go out and rescue. We know that he leaves the 99 to find the one. He's also our leader and in a way our disciplinarian. (laughs) says in Psalm 23, 3 through 4, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, we might not understand that, but a, a rod was a staff used for protection. When the lion came and the bear came, just like that, exactly. And the staff was used for correction and discipline to the sheep. The sheep start wandering. Oh, no, no. Come on. Come on. Are we submitted enough to the Lord to allow him to discipline us? See, I discipline my children because discipline comes from the word disciple. I see it as I'm discipling my children. I see where I want them to end up. I want them to be people that love Jesus. I want them to be people that are kind, that are thoughtful. That are, we say over and over again, you're a blessing to others. You're blessed to be a blessing. And I know the end goal of where I want them to be. So I know in the meantime, there might be some moments where I have to be like, hey, you're off course. Hey, come on back. You're, you're going a little astray. Come on back. But if you don't allow Jesus to do that before you know it, you're off, you're off, you're off, you're off. See, he leads us through paths of righteousness. There's a path that he wants us to take, but that path is narrow and few make it. But I want to be someone that makes it. You guys, come on. 
We got to allow him to, to lead us, embrace the Holy Spirit, submit to the loving correction and leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. The shepherd knows each and every sheep by name. <laughs> I am the good shepherd, uh, John 10, 14 through 15. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And that leads me to my last point. The shepherd shows us sacrificial love. He lays down his life for his sheep. The ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us was on that cross of Calvary. Come on where all of our sins were forgiven, all of our account was erased, where he saved us and set us free and rescued us and laid down his life for us. That's the person we're following. We're not telling you to follow this person that whips their sheep and yells at them and la la la. I'm talking about a person who lays down his life for his people who puts himself in harm's way, who lovingly and gently cares about the sheep, knowing them by name. That's the kind of Jesus that I'm talking about. In him, we find ultimate friendship and companionship and relationship and eternal life. The revelation of Jesus as our shepherd reveals to us that in him there are the rewards that he promises to us. It's the end of Psalm 23, 5 through 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Guys, there's a beautiful table that has been prepared. You know what that means? It means ahead of time, it's been set for you. And it's waiting. And when the enemy is at the door, you look around and you'd think that the people setting the table would be in a frenzy. They'd be rushing around. Oh my gosh, the enemy's at our door. Come on. But no, no one's in a hurry. No one's panicked about what's knocking at the door. And he says, come and eat at my table. And we as the believers, we get to sit and eat at the table as if there's perfect peace. Because in him, there is perfect peace. Even when the enemy is at the door knocking at his table, it's perfect peace. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, we don't realize it here, but this, this verse is actually relating back to him saying, the Lord is my shepherd because I didn't realize this until I watched a video randomly popped up on my algorithm last week saying that the shepherd, what the shepherd would do is they would actually pour oil over the head of the sheep because the oil would disinfect the flies and the, the eggs that they would lay in them. And the oil would soothe and soak their wool where it would get tangled and it would be painful and it would bring healing to any irritated skin. So when he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows He's pouring that oil over us. And we know that the, the significance of the oil was it was anointing their head. It, and it was a symbol of blessing and favor. But it was also an act of consecration. And it set individuals apart for a, for a particular purpose. We are chosen and set apart for the purposes of God, everybody. Yes. 
It brought refreshment, spiritual refreshment and renewal. It's a way of rejuvenating you, bringing refreshment to your soul where you're weary or where you've endured hardship. And it's also a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The the work of the Holy Spirit, the empowering, comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. Close your eyes for a moment. Just let him anoint your head for a moment. Oh, come on. And the promise to us is that surely goodness and mercy will follow me. His steadfast love, his goodness, his kindness will follow us and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eating and drinking in this, as we read in the Bible, was a sign of mutual loyalty and covenant to come before someone's table. And Kinder says, so to be God's guest is to be more than an acquaintance. Invited for a day, it is to live with him. We've been invited and promised to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to end with this verse. 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Come on, let's stand together. Let's close our eyes for a moment. There's an invitation this morning for us to surrender to Jesus as our shepherd. Why don't you just close your eyes again and let the shepherd anoint your head with oil. Just picture him pouring that oil over your head. He's taking away all of the pain. He's taking away all of the irritation. He's setting you apart right now. He's consecrating you. He's choosing you. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit overwhelm you and overtake you. Let it drip down. Someone also said that the oil is like unity too. How the oil drips down Aaron's beard. It's the unity of this body too. He's bringing unity as he anoints us this morning. Just let him right now lead you to green pastures, lead you to still waters where your soul, the anxious heart right now, let it be still. Let it be still. Let his rod and his staff comfort you and protect you. Jesus, we surrender this morning to the leading of your voice. We surrender to you as our shepherd. Would you increase the revelation in our lives that you are our good shepherd, Lord? That you're looking out on the landscape of our lives and you are for us, Jesus. You are guiding us. You are with us. You are protecting us. You are healing our hearts, Lord. Thank you that you know us by name. Just tell him, thank you, Lord, that you know me by name. You are intimately acquainted with me. And this morning, 
I felt there was an invitation to repentance for any one of us that have felt like we've wandered. We've wandered away from the flock. Maybe we've wandered away from the shepherd. And he's inviting us to just say, I'm so sorry, Lord, for any way I've tried to go on my own path where I've strayed from your voice. I've strayed from your leading and I thought I could do it on my own, but the truth is I cannot. Thank you that there's a place for me always in your sheep pen. (laughs) He's the door, guys. He's the door. And his door is always open. His door is always open. Lean in this morning. Lean into him. I want to invite up anyone where you just want to You want to receive more of that revelation of Jesus, our shepherd. You want his love to overwhelm you this morning, his leading, his guiding. The front is open to come and receive. We're going to have our ministry team just go around and lay hands on people that come up. But there's a moment this morning where you're, maybe you're realizing I am not submitted to the leadership of a shepherd and I need him. Or maybe you have those wounds in your heart where you're, You're in need of that oil and the healing of our shepherd to come in right now. And he wants to heal you this morning. Come on. Don't be afraid. Come on up. Receive. This is a moment of impartation right now this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.